0: Yo, man, there's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing, you ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So, what you want me to do? I'm expressing with my full capabilities And now I'm living in correctional facilities Cause some don't agree with how I do this I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is hereditary But my technique is very necessary Blame it on Ice Cube Because it said it gets funky When you got a subject and a predicate Add it on a dope beat and What's up everybody? Another episode of Center of Attention, episode 37 Couple things you gotta do before we get right into this episode. Please uh, make sure you follow the social medias: Twitter at COA Pod at Jimmy Pilato. or excuse me, COA Pod seventy three at Jimmy Pilato. and then Instagram follow me at Proud underscore WAP, uh, TikTok at Jimmy Pilato. and then please subscribe to this show, rate the show five stars, and leave a review. I know I say that every week, but it really would help if you guys start doing that. Uh, that way, we can get more involved and maybe. If we get enough, we'll be featured on the iTunes podcast page, and then I'll give everybody a shout-out who's rated and uh, reviewed the show. It's not necessarily the biggest incentive, but it is a little bit of, of an incentive. That way uh, you guys can help out the show, and we can maybe start doing this a little bit more regularly, maybe for a little bit bigger of an audience. That's that's always the goal. It's The main goal of everything is just to get, keep getting a little bit bigger and a little bit better, um, yeah, anyways, that's that so, welcome back into it it's Wednesday morning, just got back from the mechanic and I'm recording this before I have to go to work for the day because ever since I kind of got home and started working it's been fairly go, go, go and I enjoy it, it's not like I'd be rather be sitting at home or anything like that or just sitting around not doing anything But sometimes it is a little bit much. So it's, I worked at 4 a.m. yesterday and then got off at noon, decided to go to the gym with uh, my brother and dad because the gym is back open and I'm a moron. Might as well trash my body while I have it, right? And um, then stayed up till about 10 o'clock last night before I finally decided to go down to bed. Don't even remember getting in the covers or anything like that. So that's how, if you want to visit, linear representation of how my week is gone. That's basically how it was. Off Monday, Tuesday at 4 a.m., workout, everything like that, lay down in your bed, forget you even fell asleep. But it's, uh, like I said, it's not a bad thing, and work has been going well. I keep getting told that I'm doing a a pretty good job, and uh, management continues to want me there at different times. They... Decided to bring me in on a different time schedule this Saturday because the main boss, the main Kroger boss I believe is going to be at the store and they wanted me to be there so maybe that that either means that I'm doing a good enough job, they think I'm going to be able to help out with that or I'll crash and burn in front of the main boss and they won't have to do anything and they can just let go of me but anyways I'm hopeful for the first part of that and I think that it's great also hopeful that at some point maybe there's a little bit of a incentive bump for me but just for now I'm kind of riding the wave relaxing making sure that I'm getting all my stuff taken care of and then you know I podcast twice a week now I've been playing some video games been working out a lot so it's not like it's all bad it's definitely better than when I went back to Gunnison originally and had nothing to do except sit around and um sit around basically that was all and we weren't allowed to be around other people so there are some days where I wouldn't talk but now I, I get to interact with a bunch of people at work both people that I work with and the customers that come in and ask questions even though they don't know that I know very little compared to most of the other people that I work with I have learned how to select a ripe avocado and I feel like I can select a pretty good avocado now And I learned what the knocking on the watermelon means. Because I was just doing that. I was basically just making up stories for the first few days of work. Just, can you help me pick this out? Oh, yeah, no, I I totally know what I'm doing. And I just knock, just knock, 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 knock. And then not have any clue of what I was supposed to be looking for or anything like that. I think you can pick up the watermelon and shake it. And if you hear the juice, then you know it's ripe too. But that's just an old wives' tale, I'm pretty sure. I have no clue what that actually means or not. Let's see. Well, like I said, it's Wednesday morning, so we yesterday was George Floyd's funeral. Reverend Al Sharpton spoke, had a big procession out in Minneapolis, and then his brother's testifying today in a congressional hearing, and there's been some other things that have changed since the last episode of the podcast in regards to the Black Lives Matter movement, George Floyd's death, and the police brutality that's been seen in the country, and I think what they're talking about, there's a defund the police movement going on, which whether or not I think if you're, you're acknowledging that police brutality is something that happens and it's a bad thing, or if you're not acknowledging it, and just either way, the defund the police thing is not a good idea for either side. I can talk more about that in a second, but then there's also... Um, restrictions on what police officers can and can't use to detain somebody now and they've completely outlawed chokeholds um, and we'll or I guess not sure how I feel about that because that it's, it's actually a pretty effective maneuver especially if you're not as big as the per- person you're trying to take down um, it could be effective just has to be used in the right way and not by somebody who's bigoted or biased against somebody. Um, But yeah, I I guess we'll get get right into it. And then I talked a little bit about Do the Right Thing the other week with the Radio Raheem uh, scene when he gets murdered by the police officers. And I guess I, I just wanted to maybe sell that movie a little bit more. It's a little bit eclectic and a little bit out there, but I think that It's important to watch whether or not you like Spike Lee or whether or not you think that he's just a moron or is trying to be artsy for art's sake. Um, So that's kind of the rundown of everything that's going to go, going to happen. And then I'll break down a little bit more of the Avalanche games. And then there's some big fights that just got announced. Rev just sent me one in the boxing world. And then uh, the UFC actually has a few fights that are scheduled now too that are pretty big. So there is plenty to talk about today, but I guess we'll start with defund the police um, like I said I don't agree with this one at all because I think there, there's a there's a whole can of worms and everything that I said I've always qualified with the fact that I'm I have speaking from my point of view my lens of how I've seen the world but also I've studied enough of inequality that is socioeconomic and, um, tried to be as empathetic as I can and try to learn and educate myself as much as I can, but, so this defund the police movement is trying to take money away from police departments, maybe disband a few police departments, and it is all in response to what happened with George Floyd and the fact that people are, They are condemning entire police stations and the police officer brotherhood as a whole for what happened. And that was, it was a, I'm not going to say it was an isolated event because I don't think that it was, but it was a very unfortunate event that caused this movement, quote unquote, to take hold. Not the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm talking about the Defund the Police movement. I think that there's a lot of problems within this movement if this is if this is the route that we want to go. Let's see. Found an article from the Denver Post to fund the police what it means for Denver and who supports it. Uh, It shifts some duties away from the city's police officers to specialists shrinking parts of the department. While other city officials are less certain or enthusiastic about the movement, they still express an open mind towards systemic change within the Denver Police Department. That's actually good to read because I thought that this was a story that the media would take and try and run with. This This is what I agree with. I think that you can take money away from certain parts of the department, mainly the weapons and the specialization, and the fact that they are basically better armed than most of not most of uh, obviously we don't know anything, don't know as much as we think we know about the military and the weapons that they use, but they're basically a local, localized military force with the different tactical weapons and the chemical weapons that they have access to. That would shrink, the, this proposal I think would shrink that part of the department which is fine, but if you're talking about defunding the police entirely and disbanding whole precincts and stations and stuff like that, then I think you're going to get into a case of people are not going to realize how much the police actually do help the communities and how much they actually stop from getting to the front door of wherever you decide to live. Wherever you call home, there's more underlying underbelly stuff that goes on that I don't think a lot of us are aware of because the police departments have the resources and they have the ability to take these things down before they become a problem for the community as a whole. That is my issue with this Defund the Police. I think, personally, I think that there needs to be a major vetting change as to what actually happens in how you decide who is going to be a police officer and who is not. And if they show an inkling of somebody who will hold a grudge, is a little bit biased towards a group of people or one way or the other, then I think that should be a red flag and that should bar you from becoming a police officer. Go ahead, be a security guard, go be a mall cop, anything like that. No disrespect to those those occupations, but those are normally people who tried to become police officers and were not able to i'm not going to say fail fail but they were just not able to pass the standards which should be very high the standards for being a police officer need to be very very high because it is one of the highest stress related jobs i think that you can get this is coming from somebody who's considering a branch of law enforcement in the u.s marshal service depending on where my mind takes me I guess depending on whether or not this is just a whim or whether I get a job in broadcasting or something like that but this is it's gotta be better vetted because the Chris Rock bit that I talked about the other week where there's some jobs who just can't have bad apples that that needs to be true that needs to be taken seriously even though it was told in joke form His his joke the punchline is you can't If Delta Airlines came out and said, well, most of our pilots like to land, but some like to crash into the mountains, just got a few bad apples, that wouldn't be allowed. But we're allowing cops who have racial prejudices, racial biases, and use this force and use the position of authority against communities and individuals in those communities as a whole. there's, There's some things that probably shouldn't be left unsaid. I think that's kind of that's where my thinking lies in the whole situation and that's where I start to see some of the uh, issue coming with some of the movements that are coming out of this. I think that if it's used correctly, this could be the catalyst that was needed to try and spark some sort of change, but this has never been taken to the extreme that I think it needs to be. And I'm not talking about the violent extreme. I'm talking about the fact that we need to be if if we're really going to get this movement up off the ground in into legislation, you need to constantly have this in people's faces, constantly talk about it, constantly educate people. This congressional hearing that's happening today with George Floyd's brother needs to continue to happen with different people explaining their cases because what what's happened in the past is that they get one victory and they think that that's fine and then they just let it go. Not 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 trying to use the word they, that's just... The people, when I use the word they, I'm referring to the people who have tried to make change in the past, whatever kind of change that is. But you see, the people who have succeeded, the Nelson Mandelas, you know, they they continually push and push and push and get in people's faces and keep getting their message out there, and that's kind of, that's what I think needs to happen. You don't need to defund the police. You don't need to protest every single day. You just need to continually make this a part of the conversation and make this part of people's learning experiences because there are a lot of people we saw in the professional sports world with Drew Brees who don't understand what's going on because he's never had to. I don't agree with his statement, and I talked about it plenty last Thursday's episode, but it was a matter of misinformation on his part And then speaking on that misinformation, I don't know why he got asked the question in the first place. It's not necessarily his expertise. But he took that, took the video Malcolm Jenkins released in response, which I think a lot of people should go listen to, listen to his entire video and the rant that he goes on because it's very educational for somebody who's never had to deal with some of the things that he has had, that these people have had to deal with. I don't know many people in my life you know, I reference him a lot, but outside of Rev who have had to deal with something like this. I'm sure that there's a ton. And when I was down in Gunnison we were doing the radio show and I had Jordan Carls who is African American, Rev who is African American, and then Dom Fletcher towards the end of the school year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um I had those people on the show and every time I brought up the fact that there's probably more bias than we see in the world and there's probably more issues that we, than we are able to see in the world. They all just sat there in silence and shook their head because they understand what I'm talking about. And I, I've never experienced it personally, but I've seen plenty of examples, read plenty of stories, heard too many people tell stories about some of these things. Rev has a story that he posted on his social media. I know Jordan grew up in Minnesota and then came to Gunnison. And he when he was out in Fairview because that's what we were talking about. We were talking about the Colorado national championship team, and if you go watch that thirty for thirty, the gospel according to Coach Mack, that talks about those teams. They reference the fact that Boulder's a very sheltered white community that did not trust the black athletes that were coming to the town to try and win championships, basketball, football, whatever. But they were profiled, they were watched, they were harassed. And everybody in the community was fine with it because they wanted to keep Boulder a predominantly white granoli country, or not country, granoli city. So there's gotta be some dialogue. There's gotta be less anger and more understanding. There's gotta be less arguments and more discussions throughout this entire process on both sides because I know plenty of people on the opposite side of me Who are now feeling attacked. Or they look a lot like me. But they don't see the part of the conversation where. Yes, people are telling you that you're shitty at your job. People are telling you that you're no good. People are telling you that you're a murderer. But this has only been going on for you for like two and a half weeks. What about the kid who is in some small community that is a very small minority population, and he's been told that his entire life. You gotta see both sides of the argument, and I think that's where this miscommunication is coming from. That's where I think we're starting to see an argument brew instead of, you know, discussion and possible change. So I think that everybody on both sides could be more open-minded, and that would help out immensely. Staying with the police department new regulations i saw this morning on the news before i went to the mechanic you are no longer allowed to use chokeholds you are no longer allowed to use any of the restraint techniques and i believe that they're going to try and pass something to where body cams need to be on at all times and it's a fine for however long you have your body cam off i don't know if that is actually going to happen or if that's just a proposal but the chokehold thing i think the chokeholds and the restraining techniques i think are a bigger issue because it they yes they can be used in a bad way and we saw that in the video and Darren Chauvin not only should go to prison but he should have to go fight a professional fighter and see how a real chokehold feels and I think that's where you know they they train people when they use tasers you have to be tased so that you understand what's going on when you do that to somebody else I think the same goes same should go or when you learn a new chokehold or a new restraintment technique, they should put it onto you so you know how it feels and you know how uncomfortable it is, but not in a bu- way where they're bullying you because then you just create more problems. The instructors need to be teaching these techniques to the officers in a way to just show them that you don't have to escalate the situation. You can use these to try and de escalate a situation. They hurt, they'll get you what you need. restrain your perp and then you can just let it go you don't need to hold it forever you don't need to do it to excess you don't need to do it just to hurt people this is only in a situation where you cannot do anything else to get the situation de-escalated that is that's another thing is that the de-escalation techniques that are taught in the police force are very very minimal compared to something that even I've done as a resident assistant. That's all we do for the two weeks of training that we go down there is learn de-escalation de- tactics. And you say that it's a different situation, but there's high stress when you're living with somebody and there's, you've been letting something slide and something slide and it digs at you and digs at you and digs at you. Then all of a sudden you're arguing over nothing, but it's not really over nothing. It's because you let this thing slide and now it's gotten to this point. There's a lot of stress and tension in that situation too. Plus, when you're the roommate who didn't go get the RA you're feeling defensive because you feel like it's an attack on yourself there needs to be more education and de-escalation there needs to be more education on when and how to use these restraint techniques you don't need to outlaw them completely I'm not saying that handcuffing a guy and putting a knee in his back while you're handcuffing him and making sure that he stays on the ground and doesn't come at you or somebody that you're with your partner I don't think that's unreasonable to use But I think it is unreasonable to use to the excess that we saw in that video. And I think it's unreasonable to use just to punish people. Being handcuffed is already uncomfortable enough. Rightfully so. Because most of the time. You did something to earn that position. You did something to be put in those handcuffs. You did something to be put in the restraining hold. But you need to be smart. You need to understand what you're doing when you do this. You need to understand the possible harm you could cause by doing this and I think then we won't have as many issues with everything that's been going on because there again there will be an educational aspect to this there will be a reciprocal nature to these changes that are being made to where you learn what you should and shouldn't do how it affects people and how it won't and I will learn you know compassion empathy it's this whole thing everybody is attacking one side and yes one side is definitely more at fault than the other in this situation but it's not to say that there hasn't been fault on both sides in the past and that is my thing i don't think that we should full-on blame one or the other side the guy who killed the, the guy who killed him and the cops that watched that that's fine don't do don't I don't think they deserve any kind of rec- a special treatment, reprieve, anything from what they're going to be receiving. The guys in Buffalo that shoved the 75-year-old man down, all resigning, I don't have a problem with that. That's probably something that should have happened. It probably has been building to a point or probably just, you know, dealing with the entire stress of the situation and the fact that there's this, this many protests going on for this long in this many places. That's fine. But... Educate yourself. Educate the people around you. Make sure that everybody is understanding the same thing. There's no miscommunications because I think a lot of the problems that we are seeing could be solved by just a better communication, more open communication, and not jumping to the fact that this person is attacking me. No, this person's just explaining their life situation and how they interpret what is going on in the world. That's not an attack towards you. Just because somebody kneels during the National Anthem does not mean they're blatantly disrespecting the flag. There's a whole process to this, and that is one of the more peaceful ways that there can be a message sent. That is a big platform for some of these athletes to send this message. I've said this for the past couple weeks. If you like what I'm saying, fine. If you don't like what I'm saying and you think that I'm an asshole, you can go ahead and turn off the podcast. I mean, I do it for not doing it for the listeners obviously I'm doing it so that I continue to grow myself as a broadcaster continue to develop my point of view and continue to put out a show that I think people will enjoy and I do think people enjoy the show whether or not it's all the time consistently whatever I don't care about that I'm just making trying to make sure that I make content that people enjoy and that people can go to and listen and understand my way of thinking and my personal point of view on things. It's similar on the topic, but when I woke up this morning and I went on Instagram, Rev had posted another scene from Do the Right Thing. And it got me thinking about how important and how well that movie could be used in situations such as the times that we're living in. I talked about it when I showed Dom the scene of Radio Raheem getting murdered, but this it was just a random accident in a communications class that we were watching this. Um we were it was in communication theory three and we were talking about the ways to use different points of view and how point of view and time and timelines are kind of constructed out of nowhere um, we watched memento and then i can't think there was a there was a japanese film and it it's told from three different perspectives gonna Google it real quick. Rashomon. So, we we were we watched Memento and how, the Nolan brothers manipulate the timeline in that movie, and we watched Rash- Rasho and how that movie manipulates different perspectives and shows that nobody's memory and all that kind of recollection stuff is different. And then we were just going to watch a part of Do the Right Thing. But since nobody in the class had watched it yet, our professor decided that we would watch the entire thing and see how it affected us and see what we thought of the movie and how everything went down in that situation. And honestly, I wasn't I thought it was a comedy. I had never really paid attention to anything that the that Spike Lee had done. I knew that he was a very famous person who went to a lot of Knicks games because he was a, from New York and he was very proud of that. And He went through just as much hardship as I had gone through as a Bengals fan because the Knicks sucked just as bad as the Bengals and probably for longer. But, so we turn on this movie. It's a Spike Lee movie. Uh, it starts off with, I think, a five to ten minute dance with one of the women that's in the movie. Plays um, Spike Lee's character's uh, girlfriend. And it's going through all the different, you know, credits and telling you who's in the movie and who's not. And then starts, movie starts, uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the radio DJ in the, on this little neighborhood on this block up in Brooklyn and it's gonna be a hot day. That's basically the catalyst for everything that's happening. It's hot, it's muggy, it's a lower income neighborhood. There's a lot of um, African Americans living there and then there's a market owned by Koreans and then there's also Puerto Ricans and uh, everybody has some sort of tension with another group. There's not, and there's also tension within each group. But you follow Spike Lee's character, Mookie. He works at a pizzeria owned by Italian, an Italian man, Italian-American man, Italian man and then his two sons work there. One son, the older son, is a bigot and he bought into all the racist stereotypes and bullshit that he'd seen in movies and TV and um, everything that he had watched up until that point. The younger brother's very easily influenced both by his parent, his dad, his brother, and the people that are also in this neighborhood. Mookie delivers pizzas for the pizzeria, and he knows everybody on the block. I'm fairly certain that everybody grew up in on that area. In that area, grew up with each other. Uh, it's one of Martin Lawrence's first movie appearances, I believe, and it goes throughout the day. Mookie's not the most hard worker, I guess. You're introduced to a whole bunch of other characters, and this whole block starts to feel like. microcosm of the world because there's um there's old drunks there's people just sitting around mookie's trying to work but he gets distracted easily radio rahim's walking around with his boombox playing fight the power for the entire movie uh i can't remember the guy's name but there's a character who decides to boycott sal's pizzeria because sal has a wall of fame in his restaurant and he doesn't have any black people he said why sal why aren't there no brothers on your hall of fame and it's it's uh, there's tension throughout the movie because of the first son of Sal and the fact that he is so racist and bigoted and doesn't understand there's actually a pretty funny sequence in the movie where Mookie and him are talking and, and Mookie goes who's your favorite basketball player Magic Johnson who's your favorite movie star Eddie Murphy who's your favorite rock star Every you, you talk all this hate and you talk all this bad shit about black people but all your favorite people are black your hair is kinkier, kinkier than mine you could be black for all I know and that whole thing but it's there's tension and it seems a little eclectic and it seems a little arty fartsy I, I think for people who have originally seen it because you either love it or you hate it um but I think that it is a good way of Spike Lee using all this eclectic behavior and all this weird storytelling and the fact that you never really understand what's going on at any one point in the movie and you know it's it's a powerful movie especially towards the end when you see Radio Raheem die and the riots happen and the fact that everybody is on edge the entire time and one small thing happens and it blows everything out of proportion um it's it, it's great movie i i highly recommend it uh, and i'm sure you can you can rent it on youtube for 3.99 and uh, i don't think that it's on netflix but Especially in the times that I'm talking about now and the fact that I was saying everybody needs to educate themselves, this would be a step towards people educating themselves about different perspectives because this is Spike Lee's neighborhood and his um, the you know the the review of this Google's summary of the plot, Salvatore F- Sal Fregoni is the italian owner of a pizzeria in brooklyn the neighborhood local buggin buggin out is his name becomes upset when he sees that the pizzeria's wall of fame exhibits only italian actors buggin out believes the pizzeria in a black neighborhood showcase black actors but sal disagrees the wall becomes a symbol of racism and hate to buggin out and to other people in the neighborhood intentions rise that's a pretty good description of how the movie goes it sounds stupid and it sounds trivial but Um, stupid and trivial and could also happen and probably has happened throughout history in the world I think that in times like these if you're not trying to educate yourself and better yourself then I don't understand what you're trying to do Um, it's available on YouTube, Vudu, Google Play iTunes and Amazon Prime you can rent it Um, I'm sure it gets played on if you have the cable movie channels but that and remember the Titans are the two movies that I go back to the most especially in times like these when everything is kind of uncertain and nobody understands everything that's going on because it talks about how people can come together and it talks about remember the Titans talks about how people can come together and do the right thing talks about how easily people can come apart whether or not it's over a wall with Italian actors or um, high school football in Virginia back in the 60s and 70s everything has a purpose everything has a point not I think everything honestly in this world is related to one another you can't do one thing without affecting another the butterfly effect we all learned in elementary school and it seemed way out there but it kind of it seems like it's more true than it is at this point I don't know whether or not I should keep ranting about this kind of stuff or whether or not you guys are just bored with it um But I I do think that it's, it's important. So whether or not you enjoy it or whether or not you are bored with it, I think once, until we can figure out some sort of middle ground and some way to make everybody happy, this is something that has to be done. And you can get it not just from me, you can get it from everybody else too. You can find different perspectives, you can find guys smarter than me, you can find guys that don't know as much about this stuff as I do and listen to them. It's all up to you. Everything, you know, we're... We, we can do whatever we want. It's just whether and what you do and how you do with what you have. Make your situation better. Make the situation around you better. And that's all you can ask for. I think that's what everybody should be working towards in their life. Is just making themselves and their situation a little bit better. Okay. Speaking of which, we're going to go... Well, I'm going to break down this avalanche. Because I was talking about it last night with Kyle... And he says that this is the Avs year. And I, I want to agree with him, but I'm also hesitant to agree with him. Mainly because this is a very different circumstance for a lot of... This has never happened before. And the Avalanche were on a very big hot streak. That Right before this last streak ended with a pause, they were on the longest winning streak in franchise history at I believe eighteen games, I, I think. Let's see. Maybe it was longest point streak. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It was a nine game point streak. Then they lost to St. Louis. They were always chasing St. Louis throughout the entire season. And I feel like they were starting to get to the point where they could compete with a team like St. Louis, who had all that playoff experience and had everything that was, you know, going the way that it should have been and going the way that people expected that expected it to. And I think that they would have been in a good situation had the season continued, had them make the playoffs they had the chance to possibly win the first seed and take over home ice Uh, or you know there is a chance that they lose home ice completely and and drop to the eighth seed nobody ever knows what's going to go on in hockey but there was like four or five points separating whether or not they'd have a home playoff series at all or they would have all all on the road and not be the high seed at all Uh, I believe it was between them and them st louis and dallas had like a four or five point split that would have flipped everybody in their situation going into the playoffs doesn't happen season doesn't finish and now everybody's just been sitting around waiting people who are hurt getting time to freshen up teams who play a very physical style of hockey able to freshen their bodies up and they're going to be able to come back and teams that are directly in this playoff format now have time to get their bodies right and get key players back. Uh, The Avs had Rantanen out, and I think this gives him time to come back and be the same type of physical, tough-nosed player that he's been in the past. But teams like Vegas, teams like Nashville, teams like Dallas, that have these giant players on their lines... And they don't play the same way that the Avs do. The Avs basically play run and shoot hockey. They are the Bills from the 90s. They are go, go, go. They have the fastest skaters, I think, in the league, possibly the fastest skaters in the world. In Nathan McKinnon and Caleb McCarr is becoming a great player in his own right. And But these teams that have been very big have been... Given us some huge problems in the past. San Jose did it last year too because they're able to snuff out this fast-paced offense because they put a body on you all at all times, and it wears on you and wears on you. And if you don't have somebody on the ice who's going to be the tough guy and show the other team that they're not going to be able to wear on you, then you're just going to have to find a way to deal with that. And that's not normally how hockey goes. Normally, you know, you look for a goaltender to get hot. And then you look for a way to continue to play the style of hockey that you want to be playing. And Normally, physicality wins over speed. There has been too many teams that have just been fast that have won the Cup. Even the Avs, when they won their two Stanley Cups, they they were fast. But they had Peter Forsberg, who was very tough. foot Ray Bork. They had a lot of guys that set a tone out there on the ice. And they have guys on the roster that can be that way, play that way. But... The head coach Jared Bednar doesn't necessarily like that style of play doesn't really like guys to play that physical doesn't really like guys to get into fights and I think it cuts the legs out from under the team it's uh, I'm not gonna lie it's nerve wracking I'm not sure how everything is gonna play out I'm not sure whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing for the avalanche I think I'm leaning towards more that it's a bad thing the sports analyst in me says they were hot Now they've had time to cool off. Everybody else has had time to catch up. Now they're going to have to try and go out there and get hot again right away. That's just not how the world works. I mean, you can't turn it on and turn it off. There's very few teams, very few individuals who can do that. It was a quote used in The Last Dance with Roy Williams when he was an assistant coach at North Carolina when Michael Jordan was there. There's not many people who can turn it on and turn it off. But Michael Jordan was one of those people, and he never turned it off. I don't know if we have somebody on the Avalanche roster who can turn it on and turn it off and just be ready to go as soon as it goes. you got Landis Gog. I think he's a great captain, tough guy. He can be your enforcer, your bully. It's fine. I think McCarr needs to get a little bit older, stop playing like such a rookie, be a little bit more physical. you will score more goals that way. And once Rantanen comes back, it's another good puck handler, guy who can skate, but a guy who's also tough, and brings that edge to your team. So those three guys are the key to this thing moving forward. And then you got to figure out which goaltender is going to have the hot hand. Is it Francis? Is it Grubauer? Could it be both? Could you rotate them in every every game or so? Because you know that's also what. Um, that's also what the Avs had when they won their Stanley Cups was an awesome goaltender in Patrick Waugh and a guy who didn't take any crap and a guy who could go out there, give up four or five goals, and then come back right away and shut the team out the next day. Sorry, Dan just messaged me about what our workout is going to be tomorrow. Uh... going to take Dan down to Prestige Fitness tomorrow and see whether or not he wants to sign up for his own membership. I bought my own membership yesterday, so anyways, back to you know, you got to figure out who's going to be the goaltender that you go through the playoffs with, the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. Um, and I I I like Jared Bednar. I think that he's a good coach. I think that if he lets the team play a little bit more with an attitude that helps out even more, but this was the year that the Avs should have had to win the Cup. And now that it's coming down to this restart and whether or not, you know, never know who's going to be showing up. It's a a tough situation. We talked about... um, talked about the uh, UFC over the weekend we watched the we had the people over watch the pay-per-view and um, that was all fun and, and good and I think that it was a great it was a great event and now the UFC, has scheduled some more big fights and I'm just going to go over the ones that I know are going to be taking place and whether or not um I think that this is the way that it should have been so first Usman Kamaru Usman will be defending his title against Gilbert Burns I think it's a little bit early for Burns to get a title shot but really the only other person that was up there to possibly challenge for the title was Masvidal, and he's in a bit of a contract dispute now, so it makes sense that Dana would give his shot to somebody else because you know, Dana doesn't care who fights as long as he's going to be trying to make money. I think that Usman kind of destroys Burns. I don't think that Burns is ready for that level of fight yet. He could surprise me. He looked great against Tyron Woodley, but not. he didn't look as dominant as Usman did against Woodley, and MMA math would say that Usman being that dominant over a guy who was a champion that Burns did beat and did beat up. You know, it just doesn't bode very well for him. So MMA math, I think Usman takes out Burns fairly easily. Volkanovsky and Holloway are going to have a rematch. Um, you know, I don't... When Rev and I were talking... Um, you know, it could have been cool to see somebody else fight against Volkanovsky, but... Kind of got to give Holloway his due in that regard and see whether or not he's going to be able to bounce back and win after being beaten for his title. Um, And then the other one that I wanted to talk about was the trilogy scheduled now for um, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Because it's Cormier's retirement fight and he gets to go out fighting for a title. Fine. My my problem with this and what could cause problems with the division is that, say DC wins, retires, Uh, you know, it wins the title, retires, who's going to be your next title fight, especially at heavyweight? I don't have a problem with this fight in the fact that it's a better trilogy than what we got with DC and John Jones because John Jones dominated DC in all those fights. Uh, the only reason that DC kept getting a shot to fight John was because they had such a heated rivalry and hated each other personally. So let's, that one's scheduled for August 15th. So let's say, you know, Stipe wins, beats DC, yeah, that's great, and then you can give him either Francis and Ganu. Or Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is going to be fighting Volkov here coming up soon. And that could be possibly a contendership fight. Um, but you run into problems here. If DC beats Stipe. Retires. Then you have to vacate the belt. And then who's going to be your title sh- title fight coming back? You're going to give Stipe right back into it. Even though he just lost. I mean technically it would be an immediate rematch. But this is the rubber match for the rivalry series. So... This is the rubber match of the trilogy. I don't know if that necessarily goes very well together. I think that you start losing some casual fans if you do business that way. Where if a guy can lose the title shot or title fight and then get put right back into the vacant title fight. I think uh, Francis after this fight is getting the next shot at the title. Whether that is against A if he defends his belt against DC. A if it's a vacant title fight you know if Curtis Blades beats up Volkov maybe you give the vacant title fight to Francis and Curtis Blades I don't know if people want to see Curtis Blades fight Francis and Gano again cause Gano's done nothing but destroy him every time that they fought um But I think that's going to be an issue that could possibly arise in this situation. So That's that's something coming up. And then boxing had a a big announcement. Uh, Tyson Fury announced on his social media that he and Anthony Joshua are going to be scheduled to fight coming up. I believe either at the end of this year or possibly next year. But that's the biggest boxing match in UK boxing history. And that's one of the fights that I think a lot of people wanted to see. If Tyson Fury can beat up Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury might go down as the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time because he's beaten, at that point, the three-headed monster of Deontay Wilder. He's beaten the two other monsters in that heavyweight division. And let's not forget that he won the heavyweight championship against Vladimir Klitschko, who nobody thought Klitschko was ever going to be able to lose his belt. And Tyson Fury beat him and beat Deontay Wilder. Knocked out Deontay Wilder, dominated Deontay Wilder. It's a little bit tainted now that Joshua has that loss against Ruiz, but he seems re-motivated, refocused. He's going to be boxing his face off. But if Tyson Fury keeps with that same strategy that he used against Deontay Wilder, the fact that he's six foot nine, and close to three hundred pounds, and could just walk people down, has super quick hands, knows how to box, knows how to fight, knows how to avoid. This is a tough matchup for everybody. Joshua's got some power, but he doesn't have Deontay Wilder power, and we saw how much that power affected Tyson Fury in the last fight, which was not much. So this is a good matchup. We'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it getting closer to it, but those that's the big, big fight news coming out of uh, what's been going around. Then real quickly, just going to clear up some things from the other episode. I talked to Zach after released Monday's episode, and he said that I got most of what we were talking about with uh, the Lumberjack competitions right, but uh, he, he sent me a text to said, we went and saw that Log show, the, the Lumberjack show, in Tennessee. Um, Kogar, the Kogars are basically, he said, the Manning family of the pro Lumberjack competitions, and Kogar is the U.S. champ, but the U.S. champ in it doesn't really compare to Australia and New Zealand at the moment. Um, they do have competitions on ESPN, too, on like the, at the 9 o'clock slot. Um, but everything else he said that I was talking about was correct. I was going off of a kind of an off-brand organization. The main brand that does these lumberjack competitions is Steel. Um, and I believe they might be having their competition still um, coming up. with that's just a little bit of a follow up from the the ESPN Ten segment that I talked about on Monday. Um, honestly, I think that's going to be the end of the show for today. I'm gonna get go upstairs and get ready to go to work, eat something before I leave the house, and um, I'll be I'll be working until nine tonight. So it's gonna be a little bit later of a night than I'm used to. But I, I want to thank you guys for listening be sure like i said at the beginning follow the social social medias twitter at coapod73 at jimmy palato instagram at proud underscore walk uh please subscribe rate the show review it like i said if i get more reviews i'll start reading them on the podcast give you guys shout outs um but I'd, I'd like to get this thing on the map a little bit more get people into this a little bit more and see whether or not i can continue to do this and keep doing it the way that i want to I, i've liked it so far i think that i'm getting better at it each time that i go uh i say that a lot but it's true it's the truth i appreciate everybody listening and supporting me on this journey and i'm, I'm hoping to give you guys some sort of update as to what's going on in the future but for now just gonna keep rolling with the punches and keep moving on down the road but Thank you guys for listening to episode 37 of Center of Attention, and we will see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend, everybody.